Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 155 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, and in this week's episode, you're going to be listening in on a conversation between myself and my brilliant life coach, Helen Cotty. Now, Helen has been on the podcast before. We did an episode last year, which was a very vulnerable insight into some of my inner workings and flaws and things going on in my brain. And you guys seem to really enjoy that chat. And I won't lie to you, any excuse to have a chat to Helen is always something I'm willing to do. So I thought I'd have her on the podcast again and we would have a conversation which actually links back to one of the sessions that we had together last week. In this conversation, Helen and I spoke about the importance of self-awareness when you run a business, why our businesses are working in cycles and they're not a linear journey, and how we can work to find that elusive work-life balance when we run our own businesses. I found this conversation so interesting. Everything Helen says is just absolute gold. So I really hope you enjoy listening. Let's get into the episode. I'm so excited to let you know that this episode has been created in partnership with Penfold, the pension provider for those who are self-employed, aka us business owners. As you know, the financial side of running a business is something I've been on a journey with. A few years ago, I was burying my head in the sand and I had no systems in place. And now I've got organized finances and peace of mind that my money is working hard for me. A big part of what helped me get from A to B was starting a Penfold pension. I remember it clearly. I was sat on my sofa when a friend tweeted me a link to Penfold asking if I'd considered getting a pension. And the honest answer was no. I was 21 at the time. Surely I didn't need to be thinking about a pension. And then I realized as someone who is so intentional about taking action for my future self in every other area of business, why wasn't I doing it with my finances? Penfold appealed to me for two main reasons. First of all, it's so simple. The sign-up process took a couple of minutes and was so much easier than I'd expected. Plus, they've got a calculator which tells you how much you should be putting in each month. And secondly, the contributions are flexible. As we know, income can fluctuate when you run a business and Penfold gets that. You can put in as much or as little as you want, pausing or topping up when needed. Plus, if you've got previous pensions, Penfold's friendly team of experts can help you find it and get them all in one place. Starting my pension is one of the best financial decisions I've made, and every time I see it being topped up, I feel a little bit more smug about my future self enjoying a G&T on me. To start your Penfold pension today and kick off the financial year strong, head to getpenfold.com forward slash refer forward slash Alice Benham, or just click the link in the show notes, and you'll get £25 put into your pension pot when you make your first deposit to help you get started. With pensions, as with all investments, your capital is at risk and the value can go both up and down. But what are you waiting for? Get your Penfold pension started today and happy saving. First of all, Helen, welcome back to the podcast. You have been with us before and it's actually one of the top five downloaded episodes. So no pressure, but I'm hoping this is going to be... No pressure at all. (laughs) I find that fascinating. That's really curious. I feel the need to now go find out from people what it was that they wanted to listen to, but it's good to be back. I think it was because it was quite a vulnerable episode. I mean, we love to get to know other people's behind the scenes, don't we? I think it was quite a, you know, meet the person that sees the messiest version of me and let me give them permission to ask all of the questions and I'll share whatever comes up. It was a lot of fun. I did really enjoy it. It was good fun. And I'd love to dive into, not within this episode, but a future one, Enneagram more, because I just think it's such an incredible tool in business and in life. Yeah, it is a great tool. It's such a good kind of bounce off place into so many things. So yeah, we'll get that in the diary to do another one of those. Yes. So for context for people, Helen and I, Helen, who is my life coach, that's the right title for you. Helen's my life coach. Uh, We did an episode before talking all about like my issues basically with vulnerability and seeing it as a weakness. I'll I'll list that in the show notes if you want to catch up on that and get up to speed on what we shared in that episode. But I thought it might be interesting to just start with a bit of a discussion around, I guess, like why I have a life coach, why you're someone that I massively value in my life, why it's something that I invest in. Because I think one of the biggest things that business has taught me is the power of self-awareness. I think Mm -hmm. when I started my business, if you were to ask me like, what are going to be the most important tools that you have? You know, what are going to be the best things for you to go into business with? I don't think I would have ever listed self-awareness very high up. I don't think it would have even come to mind. But actually, the more that I run my business, the more I've understood my ability to be self-aware. And then obviously what happens as a result of that is so fundamental. 
And I'd imagine that's something you see a lot of where we maybe don't get the importance of it. And then as soon as you're in a place where you need it, you're like, oh, damn, this is such a valuable tool. Yeah, it's true. I I work with a number of small business owners, entrepreneurs, and one of the things that tends to happen a little while into running their business is they realize their business acts as a mirror and it shows them things which are great about themselves. So they realize I'm really good at this thing. People value this thing. This is a really good natural fit, but it also shows us the areas that we have either tried to hide away or that we're unconscious to, that we just haven't seen. Mm. So when you get to that point, you have two options. You can either bury those things that will not make you a better business owner, (laughs) or you can do something about them. And that's where the coaching space is really helpful because it's a safe space, but also a challenging space where somebody is going to hold the room for you to be able to look at those things in the mirror and be able to face them, but also do something with them is helpful and useful and helps you to get past your blind spots and helps you to see the things which you haven't been as good at, maybe because you haven't seen them before or just because they are scarier to look at for some reason. Mm, And that's the power of self-awareness, right? It's not actually the gaining of self-awareness. It's what you're then able to do with that. You know, the way you're then able to support yourself to make sure that those blind spots don't get in your way to kind of keep you at your best as a leader in your business as a coach as a you know whatever it might be that you do and I've definitely noticed within myself when it comes to self-awareness like it is not shiny glamorous work like it is messy it is uncomfortable it's often quite confronting but having that space is invaluable I think a lot of us have like those yes people around us where they're lovely and they're so encouraging like oh my lord my you know my parents they're always such yes people and they do still challenge me but you know they're there as parents Mm -hmm. they're encouraging and loving and supportive and I think to have people in your life and have spaces where like you said you can get that gentle nudge but pretty strong nudge of challenge and outside perspective and that person that can go hey that's really interesting that you said that like that's my worst thing in our sessions is when I say something I see your face and I'm like damn it She's going to make me talk more about that. I should have said that differently. <laughs> She's not going to let me off the hook with this one. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's because I, I believe in you. Like I, I've always said, I've said this to so many of my clients, I fall in love with my clients early on. And if I don't fall in love with my clients, often there's, a, there's not a fit somewhere. Mm. But actually, I want the best for them. I want them to succeed in whatever the thing is they're doing, whether it's through their business or whether it's personally. And so I lean in. And sometimes I can be quite firm in the way that I lean in. Mm-hmm. I don't let people off the hook because I want the best for them. And you're right. It's different than having a friend. It's different than having a parent. It's different than having a partner or a spouse to talk to. It's a, it's a different kind of conversation. And it's, I mean, you and I have seen it. And there are these moments where you get a breakthrough, this kind of aha moment where you finally let yourself look in that mirror and see something. And the energy that comes from those breakthrough always moves you forward. It pushes Mm. you forward into a new thing. So those moments are gold, but we have to work for them. Yeah. It's those moments that make it all worth it. And I always find Mm -hmm. it's the sessions where I'm like, I don't know what we're going to talk about today. I've got nothing to talk about. The ones that I then leave going, oh my Lord, that was everything that I needed. Or even when you have those realizations where you're like, how could I have not seen that? But it just feels so obvious and so impactful once you get it. And I would say our last session, which was this time last week, actually, literally this time last week was that chatting, (laughs) was one of those conversations for me. I've spoken quite openly over on Instagram and in my emails and in this podcast as well about how the last few months have been pretty challenging in my business. Just a real like tough season in terms of like questioning a lot of things, going through a little bit of an identity crisis, kind of just really going through that winter season that you talk about in business. And uh, the session that we had last week for me was like the breakthrough of kind of understanding almost the purpose of all of that. And once I was on the other side of it, being able to kind of see it for what it is. And something that we talked about a lot in our last session was the idea of life and also business being cyclical and not linear. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that I'd, I'd understood, but I'd maybe never seen it in such a clear way or never had it explained to me in such a clear way. So can you 
dive into that a little bit more for people listening. Like, why do we crave a world and a business that is linear? <laughs> but why is that not realistic and actually a very helpful expectation for us to have? Okay. So let's start by talking about worldviews. So we're all seeped in a worldview. And the worldview that you and I were born into was British. We're both white. We're both middle class-ish. We will be seeped in a worldview. And much of the worldview in the West is strongly masculine. Okay, so it's been very influenced by masculine energy. And the masculine tends to lean into the linear. The analogy that compares the two best is um, a conveyor belt. So kind of the industrialization of it just keeps going. It's conveyor belt. It's cookie cutter. It's, it's flat. There's, it just keeps going. And the thing with the conveyor belt, the way that it changed industry was that it was, it was able to keep going constantly. There was a constancy to it. And we have been seeped in that, and particularly when it comes to business, which historically has been a man's world, yeah. less so now, but is still very strongly masculine energy. And so masculine energy is linear. It's about getting to a destination. It's about, if you think about a graph, it's the kind of up and to the right. Everything has to keep going up, 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 up. That's what success looks like. So we were all raised in that. And that completely carves off the feminine. And the feminine tends to be more cyclical. So it cycles, there's a rhythm to it. And both of them are helpful, but particularly the masculine is over-dominant in our society in general, but certainly in the business world. And so we've forgotten that actually human beings, the earth, the seasons, everything goes in cycles. And so if we miss the cycles, we're missing some of the wisdom that goes with it. So instead of it being the conveyor belt, the better analogy is thinking about something like gardening or farming, where it works with the seasons and it works in cycles. And so this is where, for certainly for female business owners who have a fairly strong feminine energy, it becomes your superpower if you let it. But so often we try to lean more towards that old masculine mm. because that's what we were taught to do. Yes. And it's appealing, isn't it? I love the idea that success is a destination. You know, there's a point yes. on that graph. I just keep going straight to it. And then once I've got to it, I kind of don't have to go through any of the things that I had to go through to I've get done there. It. Hooray. And I just I'm keep there. going. And I've been right. very open on this podcast about how I think in the early days, that is what I expected. I thought, yep, yeah, okay, this is a linear journey. Success, quote unquote, in my business is a destination. I'm going to get there. And oh my Lord, when I get there, all of the challenges, the fears, the hardships, the, you know, the grit, the tough days, like those are just going to be behind me because I'm going to be so high up on that graph that those things are going to be in the past. And I 100% resonate with what you're saying of how actually when we lean into what I think is our businesses at their best when they are allowed to be that little bit more cyclical, everything just feels so much better. You actually learn from those tougher seasons. You have the right expectations. You don't set yourself up in a way for failure and then get disappointed when you realize it, it can't look that way that you wanted it to. But it is, you're right, we're kind of conditioned to resist that cyclical nature. And I guess as well, if we're quite ambitious people that can almost feel like, oh, really? I can't just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. And there isn't just this destination that I can reach. There's a, almost a bit of a grief in that for me of like, oh, okay. Yeah. It can't be as simple as I maybe wanted it to be. It's sort of, it's bad teaching, which is a shame, but we have been taught to lose our humanity in our business and our humanity, our humanness is that humans work in cycles. We are born, we live, we die, then there's rebirth. And, and you see that going round and round in so many places, you know, lots of wisdom traditions, whether you hear it from kind of a religious wisdom tradition or other places will speak to cycles. They'll speak to life, death, rebirth, and it going round in that cycle. But unfortunately, there are certain places that haven't quite caught up to that kind of wisdom. And the business world is one of them. You know, if you look at kind of big corporate, it is still on the the lights are always on. It's an eternal summer. Everyone keeps on going. It's hustle, 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 push, push, push. We must always be a success. Things cannot fail. Things cannot die. And that is still the dominant worldview when it comes to a lot of businesses. Now it is changing and there are lots of sustainable businesses 
that are realizing things work differently. And actually, sustainability is, I think, the key word in all of this. You have to have a sustainable way of working. And part of that sustainability as human beings is recognizing there are seasons. And we, ha- we have to be okay with that. Otherwise, we burn out or we act like we're machines and we're not. Yes. Um, conveyor belts and machines, we are not. That's, that's the difference. And you talked in our session last week about the two seasons of winter and summer. And even as you're speaking then, I was thinking, well, yeah, trying to constantly be in summer where you're reaping the rewards, where you're really pushing, where, you know, you're maybe quote unquote hustling, where things are looking really great. You know, all the shiny stuff is happening. I mean, that is a very quick recipe for burnout of some form, physical, mental, even just burnout of your business because you've pushed it too hard, too fast, too far, whatever it might be. And actually you get better summers by leaning into the winters, but it's the winters. Preach it, Alice, (laughs) preach it. Well, I got it from a coach. (laughs) But it's the winters that set ourselves up for the summers, right? That's where you're sowing the seeds. That's where you're getting the ground ready. That's where you're watering it. That's where you're doing the planning of what's going to be planted where. And kind of your summer doesn't really get to be its full summer without that winter work. I guess what I find toughest about that winter work is there is not often any sign of that end result or reward. (laughs) You know, in business so often we're taking action now that we're not going to see the benefits of until three months, six months, two years time. I sowed the seeds of getting this podcast sponsorship a year ago, and I was putting in the work in that kind of winter season to then get the result that we've got now in this like summer season of the podcast. And I think that's something to kind of wrap your head around, isn't it? Is not always thinking for the longer term. And I guess knowing in the short term what keeps you motivated and driven whilst not expecting that you're going to get those results instantly. Because I just don't know that that's our businesses at their best. You know, sustainable growth equals sustainable results. So we can't necessarily expect that instantaneous response, especially when we're in that winter season and we are just putting in that groundwork, which we might not reap the rewards of for, you know, many months later. Yeah, I think some of it comes down to, we use the analogy of sowing seeds, so Mm. let's stay with that. But not every seed that you sow will grow into something. So you sow a ton of seeds. Some of it will take, some of it won't. You won't necessarily know which will. A good gardener will understand the right things to do to help the seeds to grow. So there are things that we can do to prepare the soil, to prepare the the space where we're going to sow into. And, And you know this, I mean, this is your genius, is that you help people to create good soil to put the seed in. Mm. It's much more likely to grow into something if you put it in the right space with the right conditions. But some things don't. And then there are different types of things that we grow. You know, mushrooms grow overnight. Oak trees take years to grow. And sometimes you will be investing in something which is a mushroom. It's short-lived, it grows overnight, it, it does the job, it's okay. But it isn't gonna be something which is gonna be there forever. And then there are things that in our businesses that we sow into which are more like the oak tree that take time and you, see them break through the soil at some point after you've started to sow the seeds and you have to then keep with it. And some things will stay and some things won't. That's how it works. And the wisdom comes to knowing which is which. And, you know, there's something about making sure that your soil is prepped well, but there's something more important about recognizing, is this thing got life in it? Is it going somewhere or is this thing not? And you and I both know there are times where you've done something and there's no life in it. So you then, old model says you keep going with it. You can't let it die. You've got to pour all your energy into this thing that your gut is telling you there's no life in this. But you keep on going because it means something about me if this thing doesn't work or it means something about my business. If you're okay with cycles and that kind of wisdom, you let something be for as long as it is. And if it dies off, you go, okay. Now, sometimes those things come back. I am not an actual gardener, just to qualify, but I do know there are plants that they flower and then they die off over the winter and they look completely dead, but they come back. Mm. And some things, they just bloom for a short time. And I think when we're talking about seasons and when we're talking about rhythm, it's really about energy and where your energy goes, how much energy you have, what you do with it. 
Um, and how do you allow your business to work with your natural rhythm rather than trying to turn it into a machine yes. where everything has, every seed has to take root, everything has to grow. It grows in a like very clear pattern. It has to look a certain way at certain times. Mm. We have those sometimes, but that just isn't, that isn't true all the time. And then what we will see if people have bought into that model is they will consider themselves failures if something doesn't go in the way they think it should or the way that they were told it should go when actually it's probably not a failure at all it's exactly what is needed at that time yeah and actually by accepting the nature of seasons you allow things to do what they need to do either bloom into something or become a lesson and then you kind of let yourself move on from that. Like that's the beauty yeah. of constantly going around that cycle. Like sure, the cycle looks different because, you know, at the beginning of your business, that cycle is about starting it and establishing it, you know, further along, that might be about pivoting it or about scaling it, but it, it kind of looks the same every time you go around because you're just learning more lessons, taking more action, mm-hmm. and then continuing that cycle from there. And it's, yeah. it's the winters and it's the sowing of the seeds. Like that I think is where your understanding of your business and your clarity of what's important to you and what you want, that's where that is refined. Because in the winter, like you're asking those big questions, like the the winter that I've just come out of in my business. Oh my Lord, I was asking like the most like central identity questions. You know, what do I do? What is my worth? What's my value? Who do I help? What's my work about? And that's not pretty. Those aren't often very nice to explore, especially when you're not Mm -hmm. always seeing the kind of end result yet. You haven't always got the positive evidence to tell you that you're doing the right thing, but that work massively refines you because when you take it really back to the core of everything and think, right, okay, what do I feel is my next step? What is important to me? In the moment, it doesn't feel like great work, but when you get on the other side of it, you can look back and go, wow, you know, so much came from that that I couldn't see the benefit of it at the time, but now I'm in this season of, you know, spring or summer, I can understand what that work was helping me to do or what that was setting me up for. I, I think winter is where the gold is, to be honest. I, and, and like you said earlier, you can't have a good summer without a good winter. And winter is about doing the work underground. It's about nourishing yourself. It's about rest. It's about a change of pace. It's about asking the big question. It's about saying, do I let this thing die or is this going to live again? What have I missed? It's all those things, which they're the gold. They really are. (laughs) And then summer is when it comes above ground and it's everything is seen. So it's much more time of creation of fruit of the people around you seeing the evidence of everything that's gone on underground during the winter season. But if you can't go underground, if you can't go inside yourself, if you can't go to those darker places you're missing so much, so much goodness that's in there, so much wisdom that's in there. And we hold that wisdom ourselves. Um, it's just having spaces where we can allow ourselves to explore it, to understand, to trust ourselves, and then do something with it in our summer seasons, which is like, right, now that goes back into my business, back into my identity as a business owner. All that wisdom gets used later on. But obviously you have to let yourself go there. Yeah. I mean, that's it, isn't it? You've got to give yourself permission to kind of lean into that season. It's so tempting, isn't it? To constantly push for the summer season because it feels good and it looks good and it's shiny and it's full of momentum and energy. And winter doesn't always feel that way. You know, speaking from experience, the kind of winter that I've just been through metaphorically in my business, like it was hard. It was messy. It was quite boring at times. It was Mm -hmm. overwhelming. It was stressful. Like it was a a lot of the negative things. And I really had to trust that that was what was right for me and my business at that time. You know, a lot of things were telling me this, you know, what are we doing here? This doesn't, this doesn't give us any of the measures of success that we have. This doesn't tick any of the, your business is doing well boxes. But I think, I guess I'd been through that cycle so many times. There was that inner trust of like, no, do you know what? I know I can't see yet what good Mm -hmm. is going to come from this, but I trust 
because Helen tells me and because I've done it before, <laughs> that good is going to come of it. And it's amazing. Right. I mean, every time you get on the other side of that winter, you just look back and go, oh yeah, first of all, we did make it through it. Winter doesn't last forever. Although, do you know what? I, I think I said this in our session. I can understand now why the whole Narnia books were made around winter never ending. Because you know what? If winter never ended, I'll be out. <laughs> I'm not running a right. business that is constant winter. But that, that's the big fear, isn't it? Yeah. The fear and is. And it feels hopeless. This is never going to end. Mm. Yeah. Whereas when you get on Absolutely. the other side and then you can look back and go, okay, first of all, we made it on the other side. Great. Let's remind ourselves of that next time we're in it. And second of all, you know, look how much good came of that. Look how much better if we're going to continue with this analogy, you know, the fruit and the plants and the trees, you know, all of the growth that's come off the back of it. Oh my gosh, it's so much more aligned with my business, it feels so, you know, I guess aligned is just the right word for it. When you work on the roots, what's going to come off the back of that is going to be such a better fit. But I guess what's difficult about letting our business work in these seasons as well is that we don't see other people's winters a lot of the time. You know, we're having this conversation here and, you know, normalizing the idea of our businesses being in a winter, but that's not something we see a huge amount of because social media is kind of built for the summers, right? Social media is a highlight trail. And I think even if, you know, I'd say that I try and use my social media very consciously, I don't want to create this myth that, you know, I'm constantly in this summer season and everything's always going great. I don't know that it's always helpful to share when you're in a winter. I think sharing with hindsight of a winter can be really valuable, kind of like we're doing here. But I, you know, I'm, what I'm not saying, I guess, is I'm bashing social media and being like, well, that's the reason that we struggle with winters I think in a way social media is probably not the place to talk about our winters but we don't see it we do just a lot of the time see other people's summers and I guess the fruits of that work we don't often see the work and I guess that also doesn't help us lean into it and think that it's normal because that's not shown to us and we maybe expect that we're going to be in a constant summer because that's how we assume or perceive others experiences and other people's businesses to be I think social media is designed for summer and it does that really well. So it showcases what you do, who you are, all your wins, your successes. Some people are doing a wonderful job of redefining what those things mean. So they're showing you that success is this, not necessarily this. Business can look like this, not necessarily like we have been taught. So it does a beautiful job of showcasing summer. The thing with winter is it is internal work. And so we need something different. So there are people who are comfortable sharing their wintering seasons on social media, but it can feel a little uncomfortable. It's helpful and it can feel a bit uncomfortable because in all honesty, it's not really what it's designed to do. Mm. Okay. So wintering, you are better doing in spaces like coaching or therapy or spiritual direction or journaling or those spaces are brilliant for winters. They do that really well. And so it, part of it is just, it's a tool. Like you and I know that social media is a tool. It's neither good nor bad. It's neither positive nor negative. It's what you do with it. Mm. It's really good for showing your summers. And it's less good. It's not designed for, to help you to winter. So you need spaces where you can winter well. If you then share your learning and your wisdom as a win, as a success, great. Then we're using social media well. The problematic piece is when there is a message that comes over, which is summer is the only option and that wintering is bad. And it's not always on the creators for that. I know that I look at people who do share their winters sometimes or who do often give that reminder of like, business isn't always this way or no, these aren't the only measures of success. But I almost just choose to translate, you know, they share one shiny thing. And I'm like, well, that's all the evidence that I need to say that I'm the only one that goes through winters and I'm a bad business owner for working in this cyclical way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the piece of assumptions, isn't it? They're some of the worst things that we can yeah. do is assume something because then we begin to tell ourselves a story that isn't necessarily true and actually holds us, kind of gets us back to that place, doesn't it? Of like, okay, I, I should work in this very linear way, you know, okay, back to that way of thinking and as we've already discussed that doesn't necessarily serve us no and you're kind of tipping into the interesting thing of the shoulds now which is i think you just use should like four times in that sentence which is exactly where it sends us into i should do this the way other people do my life should look like theirs i should look like them 
I should be able to do this. I should have more followers. I should, you know, all those things. It, that's, that's the downside of eternal summers. <laughs> it's, it's the unhealthy aspect, which we've all had. We have all at some point on social media compared ourselves to someone else and come off worse from that comparison. And it's why wintering, you need somewhere else to do it because otherwise you fall into that big should pattern, which again is all connected to that very first thing we talked about, which is about worldviews. So I now have all these shoulds about what it means for me to be, to look like me, to be like me, to be the age I am, to do the work I do. And that gets super messy as we know. Yes. And I think should, the word should, is like the easiest way to take joy out of business and to take, you know, whatever it is that you run your business for, whatever reason that is, whatever your personal why is. I think the second you let shoulds get involved, whatever area that might be in, you know, you should market in this way. You should treat your clients this way. You should build a business that looks like this. You should whatever. I mean, it immediately just takes away your autonomy and your ability to lead your business because then you're not being led by your decisions and your intuition and your gut instinct and your clarity you maybe have some of that but you're letting other people's or the shoulds I should say from other people or from the world whether those people are telling us those shoulds or we're just deciding them off the back of something they've said or done it kind of murkies not a word it like muddies the water like it begins to yeah, you just lose clarity or the clarity you're then following isn't right because it's not fully your leadership and your decision. I mean, that's so hard to do, isn't it? Because those shoulds, they seep in so easily. We see one piece of content. We have one conversation. Someone makes one off the fly, whatever the word phrase is, comment. And it's like that kind of gets in immediately as a should. I guess that comes back to what we're saying at the start. That's where self-awareness is so key because it gives you that moment to step back and go, right, what is leading my decision-making or what is influencing how I feel right now? And I guess that's where you can pick the shoulds out and question them and go, right, where do they come from? Okay, let's you know, get rid of them if that's not serving me. Yeah, it's a really important process that we go through where we have to filter through the shoulds and figuring out which of these are choice and, and taking a should from an I should to an I choose yes. is the important thing. And some of them just getting rid of them completely. And every business is different. And that's, that's the beauty of leaning more into this cyclical way of living is recognizing it is more human. It's more individual. It's more unique. It's more true to who we are because our businesses are extensions of ourselves. And therefore they are going to have to look different. So in the eternal summer, the over-masculine model, everything looks the same. It's very cookie cutter. That's where all the shoulds come in. When we allow ourselves to you know, get into our own rhythms, our own patterns of working and what we want out of them, the more individualized they are, the better fit they are for us. And we're much less likely mm. to live with all of the internal chatter in our head around the should this and I must never that and I always have to, mm. whatever else. And you know, you run a business, I run a business. If we were to compare them, they would look completely different because they should look completely different. Yes, because your business at your business's best is wildly different to mine at its best. And that doesn't mean either is right or wrong. I guess, again, it's that temptation to see things in such a binary way. I I won't lie, I kind of want there to be a right and wrong. That soothes my brain that makes me feel calm and happy but that's just not the reality of life and when I really think about it if there was a constant right or wrong well that wouldn't actually be a happy and joyful life because our lives would all look exactly the same and we know that everyone's definition of success and definition of happiness is not only different but is different depending on what season you're in in life in business what age you're at what lifestyle you know there's so many factors there yeah, yeah. But it's, it's where it's so vital to do this self-awareness work because otherwise you run yourself into the ground, you make yourself miserable. What on earth is the point of running a business mm. if it's making you miserable? Mm. Like, what's the point of doing anything if it makes you miserable? Yeah. And the things that make us miserable are when we're trying to be something we're not or trying to do something that doesn't fit as well. Now, I am all for learning and, you know, there are things that we can learn that will help us in our businesses because you know, clever people have put together 
things that are going to help us. But it should always help us to create something unique rather than helping us to create something that looks like somebody else's something. And when you can get to that unique way of working, the unique rhythm that you have, you're much more likely to actually have joy, to love your life, to love your work, for it to work for you as well as you working for it. Yes. And, you know, we've talked about sort of work, rest, play rhythms before. And, you know, yours and mine look completely different. I am nearly 42. I have two teenagers. I'm a single parent. My life rhythm looks really, really different to yours. My life rhythm looks really different to what it did 10 years ago and 10 years before that. But also, you and I are really different people. I'm an Enneagram 4, so just so you know, Enneagram 4s love winter. We are like, we'd stay in winter for all of our lives if we could, because we're a bit weird like that. (laughs) Yeah, not really. (laughs) Exactly right. So I'm very conscious that my natural way is to do so much internal work and never produce anything. Always, always trying to find the new wisdom and the new whatever and the blah, 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 but never actually lean into summer. Whereas your tendency more is to, you know, keep doing, keep producing, keep creating, keep going. And so you have to then just every now and again, check yourself like, hang on, am I missing that internal work? Mm. So our personalities are different. Our lives are different and we're just different people. So we've talked about the work, rest, play balance I do this a lot with clients, getting them to understand what their natural rhythm is as a human being. Mm. Tell people a little bit about yours, because I I love your work, rest, play rhythm. It makes me smile. It makes me smile because I could never do it. I would be so (laughs) exhausted. It's ridiculous. I guess this is a good example of how it really is about what's right for you. Very much. So work, rest, play. For anyone that's unfamiliar, this is where, or at least this is how Helen does it in our coaching. We kind of talk through these three areas, you know, percentage wise, like where is my time and energy going? Is that where I want it to be going? What feels like my priority? And I guess bridging the gap between kind of reality and ideal to see how I can get to a place where it feels better. So for me, a very, very high percentage of those three is work. For me, that is Mm -hmm. a very big priority in my life right now. And that is a priority that I'm really excited to make. That doesn't feel, we talk a lot, don't we, Helen, about how if it doesn't feel like a sacrifice, it it's probably the right thing for you where we can, you know, because to someone else, what I do with work might look like a massive sacrifice, but actually to me, it feels like a really joyful, conscious choice. Hey, it's not a sacrifice because it's just what I'm willing to do and wanting to do right now. You thrive on it. Yeah. That's a good sign. I do. (laughs) Thriving's good. So I'd say for me, it's probably about 70, 80% work. And then the current place we're in with life, a lot of the rest of that is rest. I don't know how much of that is down to the fact that we're in lockdown and that's kind of the only thing that you can do. So I'm interested over the next few months to see where play fits in. And um, I know we talked about this last session, like what what does play come from? Because if I'm currently at 100% and I'm probably working 75% of the time, resting 25%, I want to make sure that my play isn't just coming from rest because then I know I'm going to be really unsustainable and just in that constant summer of like, do, 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 both in work and personal. Because we've been there before, haven't yes. we? That conversation yes, was we when you were working and playing, but there was very little rest mm. in there. And you asked and me what wasn't sustainable. I did to rest. And I was like, well, that's, what's that's rest? That I don't understand. <laughs> you just like sit and think about my thoughts. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think lockdown has, has kind of built my my resting muscle very well and now I love rest and I get what rest looks like for me which is great and I think what I love about that model is that it gives you total permission to decide what is right for you in the season that you are in I find it really easy to take on other people's definitions of success and other people's priorities and I think because I love this idea of trying to be everything for everyone and I should match everyone's definitions of success and oh but that person really loves taking you know five days off a week so maybe that's something that I should have or oh that person really loves how spontaneous they can be with their business oh that's something I should have and actually you then start to create something which doesn't line up with what you want and you don't give yourself permission to really know and pursue what's important to you and then I guess you can see stuff for what it is because then I can look at someone's work, rest, play blend and go, do you know what? That is really, really focused on rest. And that's obviously what is important to them. And that's 
their definition of success in whatever season they're in, that's great. But that doesn't mean that I have to take that on for me. And I guess to flip that on its head, then when I'm showing up, I'm then able to be a lot more conscious of not pushing my definition of a successful life onto others. You know, the amount that I'm willing to work, I realize is very unsustainable and unjoyful for the majority of people. There may be in life stages where that's just not feasible for them to do. Maybe they did that in their twenties and now they're like, nah, I don't want to be working all the time. And it's like, it's no right or wrong. It's just, okay, that's what's right for you. This is what's right for me. And I guess as long as, as long as what's right for you is actually what is right for you and you're not just going, no, no, this is what's right for me, but you kind of know you're, you know, en route to burnout or just kind of lying to yourself in the process. But I guess that's where doing the work with someone else or kind of properly getting that self-awareness helps because you know that you're not just going, no, this is right for me. You're like, no, no, this is actually right for me. Yeah. And you can see it in people as well. Like I, I can see when you show up to a call and you're close to burning out, I now know it's probably because you haven't put your rest in. And, and that's, it's nice when you have clients that you see regularly enough where you can start to see, you know, and you, you sense their tendencies, but you're right. It's completely individual. It's completely personal. So work is energy out. And so even what you consider work to be will be different for different people. So some people uh, would find, oh, what would be an example? They would find gardening work. Some people, it's not an energy out to do gardening. It's an energy in, which is rest. So rest brings energy in, work takes energy out. And then play recycles energy. So it takes energy, but it also gives energy. Um, And then there's the fourth category, which is waste, which does nothing. It's like flatline energy. Didn't we once conclude that's what I used to spend a lot of time doing? I was basically, I was, I think what we concluded, I was working 80% of the time and just wasting 20% because I was so dead from the work. It was, I guess... For me, wasting was the like staring at a laptop screen, watching Netflix, but not really taking it in, basically just counting down till I could go to bed at 10 p.m. Wasn't a great life, I tell you guys. Yeah, and people find like scrolling is waste usually. And, And it's never specifically attached to an activity because, you know, sitting with, like me sitting with my kids watching Netflix is rest. There are times where I just put Netflix on because I'm bored and it's waste. So it's never the activity specifically, but you need to know yourself pretty well to know, is this, is this energy out? So is it work? Is it energy in? So it's rest. Is it play? So it's recycled or is it waste? So it's just flatlined trying to get rid of as much wasted time because it is a a limited resource that we have. Um, And then figuring out how much do I need in? How much goes out? So you're somebody who can obviously use your energy really well because you can give out more than you need to take mm-hmm. in. And, and probably that means you need less rest and you'll need less play. And that may always be true or it may be true for a season. Yeah, I think I've always thought it's a short to midterm thing. I'm very aware that if I were to have a partner or have a family or you know whatever it might be, that the current way that I prioritize my time and energy probably wouldn't suit that season of life. But again, that's just allowing Mm -hmm. our lives to work in seasons where we're not deciding, hey, this is it forever. I'm working towards this final destination. It's just checking in with, right, what's important to me now and how can I let myself have more of that now? Because that's something I notice as well is that we we often think it's one one extreme or the other, or we, we maybe think that our definition of success is so far away from our current reality that it's like, oh, you know, I'd have to quit my job and go traveling for six months to get more play and rest into it. And it's like, actually, there's obviously a grain of truth in that. But, you know, how do you bring more of that into your everyday and not see it as, okay, well, I either have this life and business that I have right now, which feels, you know, maybe somewhat fulfilling and joyful, or I have this like totally extreme different life, which in my head is like the best thing ever. I often find we don't, you know, I don't actually want to quit my business and go, traveling for six months, but there's obviously something in that desire that I do want. Okay. How can I bring maybe more of that into my every day and make it something that I'm currently achieving? Cause actually the further off we think it is, the less we're going to take action to try and achieve it. That's probably a bit of a self-sabotage like avoidance technique, isn't it? Of like, Oh, it's just so unrealistic. Yeah. I'm not going to try. Yep. 
Yeah. And we look at people who have these extreme lives and so often put them on a pedestal. So, you know, these people who spend their lives wandering around the world, going to beautiful places and they work three hours a week. It's quite an extreme level of work, rest, play. And something in us kind of latches onto that and is like, that's the way to live. Um, And maybe, maybe for some people, I would say there's very few people that would actually work for them. Because you look at a lot of people, they go on holiday, they come back and they're no more rested. They're no more ready to go back to work. Because what they haven't actually done is do the work of figuring out what do I need? How much do I need of each? And what even constitutes them? You know, for some people going on holiday is quite stressful. It's energy out, not energy in. Whereas actually going for a walk every morning at 6.30 for an hour would be all they would need to do. They would feel much more rested and therefore be more productive. But again, it's down to individual, it's down to cycles and it's down to sustainability and making sure that you are doing what you need to do to make your life work well for you. And I think in the context of business, like this impacts everything, you know, the number of hours that you're willing to work, the kind of work that you want to be doing, how you want to deliver that work, the content you create, the future of your business, you know, what you want to scale to, whether you want a team, whether you want to keep it solo. Like I feel like business is full of decisions and those decisions are always going to be best made from a place of knowing what you want first and what's important to you first. And I guess then when you have that internal clarity, you can consume other people's message and almost navigate the noise in a better way because then you can see something. Like I look at a lot of content that's around, you know, run your business in a slow way, take time off, like take loads of time off, don't push too much. And I can see that message you'd be like hey I really love that message for the people that it's for I'm not going to take that on as a should because I know that for me right now that doesn't align and that's okay and I guess it, it doesn't change the nature of how noisy I think especially like the business space can be you know everyone's shouting basically everyone's sharing the message that they want and need to hear so the reality is there's a lot of different messages for a lot of different people and seasons and places and I think you've just got to know first of all a little bit of where you're at and what you need so that you can navigate that noise in a more intentional way because otherwise you'll watch one Instagram story and think okay I should be pushing for a 10k launch and then you'll watch another Instagram story from someone else go oh no no no, I should be taking a month off in my business it's like neither that person wasn't right and that person wasn't wrong you've got to know yourself a little bit about what's important to you and where you're at so that then you can consume that for what it is and I guess tune in and out of the stuff that does and doesn't serve you when you're in that season yeah I, I heard somebody once say that social media is a way of you howling in order to gather your pack Ooh, and it's why I know I like, I like that. that it was um I, I will find out who that came from you know I will always howl the message rhythm rest let things die go into your winters come back round again know what you need do it individually, get rid of all the shoulds. Like that is the message I will keep howling. And anyone who needs to hear that, they will find you. They'll be my pack. And there will be some people who will listen to that and they'll be like, nope. <laughs> In which case, fine. Then you cut out the noise. Now there's, I think there's always wisdom. You can always get wisdom from somebody, even if it's in a ah, that works for you. I wonder how I translate that for me. Yeah. Or how do I hold on to that for them when it's right for me? And I am in that exactly. season. And, oh, I once heard somebody talk about something or other, and you can go back to those things. But you're right. I think we need to be able to filter through. There's so many messages out there. There will be, there are people I don't listen to because the things that they're saying at this point in my life don't align with what I am aware of for myself around my rhythm. And all that happens, even for somebody who does this work as their day to day, is I listen to that, I fall into the shoulds, I feel bad about myself, I can start to feel a bit crap because, you know, I'm just some middle aged mom who can't do this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. You know, you get into those weird spirals of all the shoulds and all of the can'ts, and, and that's just not helpful for anyone. Whereas actually, There are some amazing people who say things and I think, ah, I can remember that used to be really helpful at a different time in my life. There are amazing people that say things where I think that works really well for you, but it's not my rhythm. 
And there are amazing people who say things where I think that's exactly spot on for what I need to hear. But until you have that self-awareness, until you have some filters to put the whole thing through, otherwise you will just spin trying to find which voice works for you. And that's unhelpful. Yeah, I mean, you'll get whiplash jumping between the different definitions of success and priorities that you should be having. And I think this is a really valuable way of looking at social media and what we see online, both as consumers, but also as creators, you know, as we're putting our message out there, okay, how do we do it in a way where exactly like you said, the people that it is right for will come, but also whether people that it's maybe not for can still receive it in some way. I think we've all got to be careful about not creating content that allows people to take on those shoulds. Now, to an extent, you can never be fully responsible because I think, you know, social media working well takes both creators and consumers doing what they do in a conscious way. And ultimately you could share something with all of the disclaimers and the caveats and the backstory and people could still take it as a very black and white, you know, oh, therefore I should, whatever. But I think it is, yeah, a reminder to be conscious of that and to think about how we share you know, when we're in those summer seasons where there are a lot of shiny things, there's a lot of wins, there's a lot of, you know, the physical stuff, you know, how do we do that in a way that feels responsible and I guess feels kind to people that are maybe in the winter season or to people who are in their summer season, but three years behind. And again, it's that comparison trap that we can get into. I I mean, I think this is something you do very well because you'll take something that you learn you say how it's translated for you, but you're not telling people that they therefore have to, I have to look like Alice or else I'm not a success, right? So, you know, some of the stuff that you've been through recently, you have questioned some really good things and you've allowed people to see the fact that you're questioning it. And they may not be questioning the same thing, but what you've done is you've given permission to question. Yes. You've given permission to doubt. You've given permission to go into the winter. You've given permission to to struggle, to feel sad. That's where you have a a message that is so helpful. So, you know, you and I are very different people. We're at different life stages, but I can listen to your content and watch your content on social media and I can find the wisdom for me based on the wisdom for you. Yeah, because it is shared from a very, hey, here's, let me just share my learnings, my thoughts, my experiences, and almost leave all of the translation for what that means for you up to you. Yep. You know, if I've had a crazy launch, great, let me share my learnings and thoughts off the back of that. You can decide, do you want to take that as inspiration Do you want to take that as reason never to go for a big launch? Because I've shared just how challenging it was. You know, you kind of get to, you you pick your message based off of what was shared. I love that. And I really appreciate that. Thank you for those kind words. You said something in our last session that I wrote down because I just thought this is so true. When we were talking about priorities and that kind of work-life play blend and, you know, knowing what's important to us, you said, show me your bank account or show me your schedule and I'll tell you what's important to you. And I just found that really interesting because, I mean, we both talk about it in different contexts. You know, there's a big difference between having a priority or having a value and living it and executing it. You know, we can have all of the thoughts in the world of, oh, this is what's important to me and this is what I care about and this is what I value and these are the things that I live my life by. But the the measure of those things isn't how much we can think and believe them. It's what we do with them. And I just found that a very, it's a good quote. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I like that. And yeah, it's always an interesting one. And um, I tell this story. I have had permission. One of my first clients was this big, successful corporate business dude who was like, I don't know, he had some fancy title and he looked after a lot of money in a big corporate. And um, we were doing values work. And he said to me early on that he had a value around um, family. So he was a family man and he'd named that. And I just said, oh, cool. When was the last time you spent time with your your son? And he sort of went a bit quiet. And he's like, oh, well, things have been quite busy recently. I was like, oh, okay. So do you prioritize date nights with your wife? And he kind of head went down Mm -hmm. again. And in the end, I said, I'm going to need you to look at your schedule. And it was just 
it was this moment where I realized we can say, we can aspire to, we can hope mm. for, or we can do the hard work of actually really looking at where we put our time, our money, our resources, so our skills, our gifts, our relational energy. Those things are all of high value and they're all limited. We have a limited amount of money. We have a limited amount of time, a limited amount and type of gifts and limited relational energy. And they are going to go somewhere and you can either put them somewhere consciously or you can, they can fall out unconsciously. And so sometimes I will look at people's bank accounts and we look at what they value based on what they spend. And uh, it's really good to do that as a small business owner. Mm. You know, what are you valuing within your business and is it what you want to value? Yeah. And then show me your calendar and it's the time question. And this is where, you know, I, I actually get people to plan their time with work, rest, play. And, and the big one, of course, is when people realize how much time they're wasting and they get to put that somewhere more intentional. Because the nature of any limited resource is that it kind of gets taken up. Like 100% yeah. will always get used. But when you're not conscious about it, it very rarely goes in the places that you want it to. Because the nature, I think, especially mm -hmm. of work and of business is that it takes the time that you give it. I refer to my business quite a lot as a monster. Like it feels like a bit of a monster. If I want to give it, if I offer it up seven days of 12 hours, it's going to usually take it. Now, is that work ever that productive or efficient? Absolutely not. But kind of without that consciousness, yeah, it's so easy for there to be a disjointedness between what we say and we think is important versus how we're actually living that out. And like the problem solver in me, as soon as you started talking about that, it's like, okay, but why does that happen? And correct me if this assumption might be wrong. But I feel like one reason that might happen is because actually what we're saying we value maybe isn't necessarily what we actually value and what's true for us. There's maybe a, a should in that with, the, you know, when people say like, what's important to you? Like, oh, family, friends, getting outdoors. And it's like, okay, are they like, let's just question them. We're not saying they're wrong, but where have those come from? Are they really important to me? I guess if it's not that, if they are the things that are really important to you, it's just the, like you said, hard work of actually putting it into practice. You know, it feels exciting talking about your values. Like values work is always exciting to talk about, never that exciting and thrilling to action because it's often quite messy. And I guess you're, you're creating resistance, right? You're putting a stake in the ground and going, do you know what? No, I don't want it to look the way it has looked for years or, hey, things naturally look this way in my schedule. I'm going to put boundaries in place that stop that. That resistance is going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And again, as we said before, you're seeing, you're putting in the work before you see the result. So you don't see the benefit yet of putting in that work, it, but it is, it's, that's what bridges the gap between, yeah, I value this versus, oh no, I actually value this with my action. Yeah. If you show me somebody who can name their values, but also genuinely lives according to them, I'll show you somebody who's a success in life. And partly because they know what their success criteria are. So they know that they're driven by certain things. They live by them, but they do the hard work of layer by layer, whether it's my finances, whether it's my relationships, whether it's my time, I'm going to align myself and that is always about rhythm. So I don't like the phrase work-life balance. I understand it. I much prefer the idea of sustainable rhythm because it changes. Rhythms change. And what sustainability means changes. But if you understand, and some of the values won't change. What they look like will change. Um, so I have a value around freedom. That's changed dramatically for me in the last year because I've got divorced. So my freedom value now looks really different than it did two years ago. I had the freedom then because we had two incomes coming in. I had freedom in my time. Whereas now I have freedom in a completely different way. So freedom is always going to be a high value for me. It's why I like running my own business, not working for someone else. <laughs> but I know that. And so I have to start looking, where am I not free? Where do I not have freedom? And if there's no freedom there, I need to start doing some work to make sure there is freedom there. But what that means for me will be really different than what it means for someone else. And that's, that's the work. And constantly, I, I don't want constantly to sound exhausting, but constantly in like, I'm going to choose to keep looking at this because it's going to shift. It's going to change. It's going to look different 
there's going to be a pandemic come from nowhere and it's going to change everything. But people who've done well in this pandemic are people who know their values, they know their rhythm, and they've been able to adjust and adapt in order to keep it sustainable. Yeah. And it, I mean, constantly is the right word for it because self-awareness and a life that aligns with what's important to you is not a one-time thing. You don't do that work with yeah. a coach, tick the box or, you know, fill out a journal and go, right, we're done. We're never going to revisit this again. Mm-hmm. Because the nature of life and life being cyclical is that things are constantly evolving. Our definition yes. of success, whether that's in our businesses or in our lives, is always going to be either shifting, just getting a bit clearer, slightly changing definition. You know, I know my definition of success in lockdown is very different to my definition of success out of it. And if I didn't take the time to reevaluate what's important to me in this next season and then take the action that I need to take to fulfill that in six months time, I'd be like, why do I feel miserable and demotivated? And why am I not enjoying it? Oh, it's because I didn't do that work again of checking back in. And it is slightly relentless because it is a constant thing. But I think that's also, you know, in the nature of business, that's always the way. When I work with clients, a lot of the time, it's about taking it right back to basics. You know, they might be six years in, they might have done their foundation work four times already. And I'm like, well, here we go. This is the fifth time you need to do it because every time something shifts, you've got to take it right back to the center and question all those things again. And then it's that cycle, right? You've got clarity on what you want right now make the changes. I mean, it's so interesting how this is modeling what I work with with clients because the cycle I talk about with clients is that we get you clarity, then we build a strategy on top of that and then you take action. And the kind of nature of self-awareness is that, right? You start with the clarity. Those winter seasons often hold a lot of that clarity. That's the work we're doing. Kind of as you transition out of that, you're then doing the strategy work. You know, okay, these are our values or this is what we want. What do we need to change and do in order to get closer to that or align with that? And then it's that final piece of action. I guess that's maybe more your kind of summer season where you're like, right now we're going. People can, you know, it's gone from internal to external and people are beginning to see this and I'm seeing the result and the benefit from that work I did before. And then of course, recognizing there's this little dotted arrow that takes you back <laughs> well, to that first Well, that's it. Stage you again. take action. That's you the get thing. more clarity. <laughs> well, there you go again. And as soon as you reach, you know, one way through that cycle, likely it is, your definition of success and what you're wanting to work towards will have shifted in some way. So then it's time to go through it. And I love this. I love this way of seeing life. It feels like it gives life the permission it needs to be full of learnings and failures and great things that sit alongside not so great things and that kind of non-binary measure of life life our life is not good or bad kind of everything blends together to create this yeah pretty joyful process absolutely and I think the big question is am I heading in a direction of living a life running a business being a person having relationships that is life-giving and if it isn't life-giving, I would ask you, what's the point? What, what are you doing it for? And I think, you know, every time we loop round, we want to get closer to a way of being and a way of doing that works for us. That means we are, we are like full of life and therefore we can pour that back out again into whatever arena of work we do and whichever relationships we have. The whole thing, you start to, once you see cycles, you start to see cycles everywhere. You realise it's so rarely about getting from here to there and then that's the end. It's much, much more likely that you're in a cycle somewhere, whether it's relationally, whether it's professionally, whatever, spiritually, all of them, they all work in cycles. And only you can decide what is right and important and life-giving for you. And that's where we go back to our first point of this recording, which was self-awareness is fundamental. Key to everything, key to everything. (laughs) I mean, no part of that cycle is easy to do because you don't actually know what you're doing it for. You don't know the best way to do it because you don't know yourself and your blind spots and your strengths and your weaknesses. And then you're going to find it really hard to live a life that feels good to you because you don't actually know what that, what that means for you. Yeah. And the final thing I would say is trust your gut in that. Uh, It's the thing that I say to you all the time is, you know, you're the one who's connected to you. 
you have the awareness in you, you have the wisdom in you. So trust yourself. If something within you is telling you the way that you're doing your business isn't working, trust it. You can have very clever people tell you you should do X, Y, Z, but if your gut is telling you, I don't want to do those things, don't do them. Find something else. If you know something within you is saying, I, I'm close to burnout, listen to that. It's giving you wisdom. It's telling you that your rhythm is off somewhere, your cycle is off somewhere. And that gut instinctual thing, and lots of different people call it lots of different things, that thing will guide you to the next step, the thing you need to change. You don't have to worry about seven cycles in the future. It's just the next thing. Do the next thing. And if you, if you can do that next thing, it will bring you closer to being in alignment, to being aware, to creating something that works for you. I think that's a 10 out of 10 note to end on. I love that. I had a mild point to add to that, but I don't think it was. I mean, it's left my brain. So it obviously wasn't, uh, go. wasn't going to change anyone's <laughs> life. Wasn't meant to be. Thank you, Helen. I feel like we could talk. I mean, we do talk for hours. It's, it's how we work we do. together. Do you know what I think would be a good next conversation, which I think would be a maybe, maybe more of a coaching one, so people would like it, would be uh, your business is not your identity and how to untie Oh, let's do that one. Oh, I'm doing my happy yeah. dance. Because another thing you said in our last session when we talked about how, I was like, oh, you know, such a high percentage of my life in that, you know, work, play, uh, rest blend is work. You said, well, just because a lot of your energy and resources are going in a certain direction, that doesn't mean that that's where your identity and your worth has to be found. And that, I mean, it's just ruminating right now. I'm just wrestling with it in my head. So I'll get back to you in a few weeks and we'll... <laughs> you have a little wrestle and then when you're ready, we'll do that conversation live and record it for all of the world to hear. To see That'd it. be great. So I'll link in the show notes, all of your links, Helen, so that people, I mean, what you share, I think no matter what season you're in is is so often the reminder that we need just to connect back and yeah, trust that gut instinct. <gasps> I remember what my little point was, which was in hindsight, there we go. so not worth me circling back to, but here we are, which is just that, you know, you and your business best. We're in a noisy world where it's easy to not trust yourself and what you think and know is best. And outside people are great. Coaches are great. Educators are great. Mentors are great easy red flag, I guess, is someone that tries to tell you that they know what's best for you more than you do, but benefit from their wisdom and their perspective and their expertise and their insight, but always put it through the filter of, but what do I think? And what do I know? It's not even what do I think? Like, I think gut instinct makes it feel a little bit woo and like random. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. you intrinsically know you and your business very well. You've got an inner compass, like listen to it. It's going to guide you. Wow. I'm going to write that on a t-shirt. You've got an inner compass. Use it. Available at alicebenham.co.uk forward slash shop. Helen, thank you for joining me for another conversation. I will leave all your links below so people can connect with you and your message. And I'm looking forward to hearing what comes of our next coaching session. Absolutely. It's been a delight as always. Amazing. Always a joy. 